Blog Talk Radio. All right. 
Okay, so this month's column, this month's snake oil, and actually this is the 80th snake oil I've written, so pretty amazing. I've got quite a, a library of material at this point. Um, so this month's column is called I'll Play For You. I prioritized working on a specific theme with many of my regular clients in 2012. It was to reconnect with talents, abilities, and things you enjoyed, enjoyed doing and often did naturally well when you were a child. I also joined in this quest with my clients. Even though I already do many of the things that I did as a child in my current profession, I knew there were more talents that I'd consciously or unconsciously blocked. When I was a preteen and a teenager, I enjoyed recording pretend radio shows on audio tapes. I made mini books. I wrote and drew comic books. I showed notable skills at essay writing. I like to both write and perform. I used my intuition to guide people, saw information in patterns, had sharp math skills, a strong voice, and loved to tell funny and transformative stories. Anyone who knows me can see that none of this is a far stretch from what I do now. Still, I knew there was more that I could uncover. Overall, my clients did well and reconnected with buried aspects of themselves that they could now prioritize and allow to be part of their lives again. We all began to tap into recognizing our true work. In my process, I uncovered another lost joy skill that I was always really good at doing. I was frequently told I needed to let go of this part of myself by society, some of my school teachers, and a few of my family members in order to appropriately grow up and accept responsibility. Thankfully, I never did completely listen to them, yet I did begin to believe it was detrimental for me to use this part of me too often. The specific piece I retrieved was a recognition that I was always really, really good at playing. When I was younger, I was a fairly popular kid. I had a lot of friends, and often a number of people that would have liked to have been my friend. Sure, I was a weird child, to say the least. But I always had a knack for making just about any event, whether a positive or negative one, a really fun one. It didn't matter if it was a major plan or something fun, of something fun my friends and I were going to do, or I was just injecting funny comments and mildly crazy ideas into even the most innocuous moments. I could make it fun. At a knack for turning almost anything into a silly, entertaining experience, and friends responded with appreciation for my notable skills in this area. When I started working, this, by the way, began early for me at the age of 13 with my first paper route, The Penny Saver, I enjoyed the practical details of work, and I strove to master my duties. Yet, People also enjoyed working with me because I made any job I did a little more fun. Many of my friends' parents were not as fond of my playful talents as their children were, though. I was often looked at as a weirdo, and I got similar responses from some of my siblings. There were times when they were even downright cruel about putting me down for my playfulness. The attacks weren't frequent, but they left scars. Being told I was off the wall and played too much contributed to my having doubts about my talents. At times in my life, I even feared that they might be right in some ways. What was equally troubling was the lack of any real support or encouragement for some of my siblings and my parents for my talents. Creating security and making money were valued far more than playful enjoyment of one's tasks 
and using and mastering creative talents in my family. They put a heavier focus on being conservative both with work and with money. I was told that this was the right way to be. My family was not like, unlike many families. I only got approval when I did it their way. In America, we have dual and contradictory beliefs in the mass psyche about how playfulness is something that is suspect. Many people believe that if you play too much, you are lazy, childish, uncommitted, and not doing the work, hard work you're supposed to be doing. We fear that playfulness is a form of escape from responsibility or a doorway into indulgence. We believe it is something that only children should do. Some don't even encourage children to do it, by the way. On the other hand, as a society, we tend to not only glamorize people who play, but we pay them really well for doing it. Successful musicians, singers, actors, performers, and professional athletes make their lucrative livings by playing, and we adore and sometimes envy them for it. When I play, I often get my best business ideas, columns, and receive metaphysical breakthroughs in awareness while doing so. It isn't the reason I play. It's something that often emerges from it. In addition, when I inject playfulness into almost any event, I tend to really enjoy that event or chore even more. One of my clients recently asked me why I didn't have a housekeeper clean my condo once a month. I could easily afford to do this or even offer session trades for it, so her question made sense to me. My answer was that I really enjoy my cleaning days. I don't want to give them up. I play great music and enjoy the entire process of cleaning. I do the same thing with cooking and don't eat out very often because I am a good cook and I simply enjoy cooking. When I'm using an exercise bike at the gym, I watch people and often think of funny things I could say about them. Fortunately, I'm restrained enough not to do this. A lot of people would not appreciate my grasp or grasp my twisted humor. I also enjoy food shopping and a million other mundane things. I simply know how to make all of them fun. Play is intrinsically a vital part of effective reality creating. It is one of the primary tools in the seeding process of creating tangible events. Yet not everything we fantasize about or games we play become a tangible reality in our world. Sometimes the games we play, the things we imagine, are only brief games. We may tire of them, become bored, and naturally move on to new games. The imaginative play helps us to decide if it is something we want to prioritize experiencing in physical reality. Play has other benefits as well. It draws us completely into the moment. We tend not to worry about yesterday or tomorrow while we play. When we're playing and happy, we're healthier and tend to age better. We are internally youthful in spirit, feel more joy, and this physically benefits the body as well. Like anything else, we can overdo play. One of the reasons I don't keep video games in my home is because I would play them too often if they were here. I've learned from past experience that I can get a bit obsessive with those things. Play is always good, but it can lead to avoidance of responsibilities, addiction, or excessive indulgence. If we become too heavy-handed with playing, we may even become an adrenaline junkie or make questionable ethical decisions in the process. Still, these negative aspects are not really because of the dangers of playing too much, but actually stem from internal fears that make us become excessive with play and use it like a drug to mask fears. Many of the people who play video games obsessively are actually fearful that they are inadequate in their abilities to work and be successful. So the excessive play is more of an addiction related to fear of self-worth or other chief negative features, 
like self-deprecation, greed, and stubbornness. Any of the seven human fears can be used excess, can use excessive play in a negative way. A fear of lack or greed is usually the motive behind adrenaline junkies. It took me some time to see it, but play itself is purely a positive thing, no matter what society believes. Play is something that I love, and I'm really good at it. When I recently reconnected with my desire to play more often, without the artificial guilt I took on from other people's negative beliefs, things started to improve in my life. I felt like I was in flow again. The things I playfully visualized coming my way began to come more easily and with more fun attached when they showed up. I could see now that much of the antagonism I received and occasionally imagined I was receiving from some of my family members and the world around me during childhood were because they believed that that what they were saying was true. My talents were incomprehensible to some of them, so they couldn't see my gifts as something useful. I hold no anger or resentment anymore about this issue. In their own way, most of the antagonists thought they were helping me. So I've playfully chosen to let my sense of injury go. We were born without fear, and our natural inclinations and talents are part of who we are. Yet we can lose our way in following and developing our inherent abilities when we are pushed by society to conform to its priorities and perceptions about what is the right way to be. My playfulness has led me into all kinds of incredible adventures in my life, great trips, fun sexual escapades, an endless stream of crazy experiences, fun stories about these adventures, and the ability to have created some pretty cool stuff in this life, with plans to do a lot more of it. My playfulness allows me to get paid to talk on radio shows, write columns, publish books, teach classes, interpret astrology charts, numerology charts, and read oracles for people. These are things that I'm really good at and I think are really fun. They are parts of my true work and my true play. I still get as excited by looking at a tarot spread today as I did 27 years ago when I first read my first deck of cards. I'm going to play now, more, and in the future. I'll make no more apologies internally or externally for who I am and what I'm good at. Everyone can benefit from allowing themselves to play a little more. It may not be one of your primary talents, but we can all gain by allowing a bit more of it into our lives. We all have talents and abilities that we've buried or simply not pursued. I challenge each of my readers to find their unique true work and true play. You may be pleasantly surprised to find that they're actually one and the same. Okay, so that is my column. And I talked a bit about true work and true play. Um, these are actually quotes from uh, a series of books I've studied years ago and I'm um, doing some CDs on as well now, too, called the Michael Teachings. And, you know, true work and true play are things that over multiple lifetimes often come very naturally and easily to us that we enjoy doing or that bring us fulfillment. Uh, so they are important uh, parts of who we are. But here's the thing, guys. You know, Typically, that's one. Of the, let me kind of sidetrack here a little bit. One thing that's really, really beneficial of having with having your astrology chart done and interpreted by a professional astrologer who kind of knows what they're doing, or of course, learning how to do this on your own, which can take a lot more time, but definitely fulfilling, especially if it's an inclination that you have. Is you know when you really look at an astrology chart and understand your own chart, you'll begin to see the talents, abilities, and things that actually come really natural and easy to you. 
very clearly. Of course, it'll also show where the struggles, the challenges are, you know, where you got a little, you know, where you had some tough stuff to work through as well. But one of the things that, again, that's a real benefit of learning an astrology chart, interpretation, having that done, is it will give you insight into who you really are. You know, when we come into this world, our astrology is just simply that. It's a blueprint for what we've carved out. Now, of course, it's not predicting every event and thing that we do, by no means, but it really is showing inclinations, dispositions, talents, abilities, challenges, all of those things. So another benefit is having your astrology chart done. Now, um, anybody who, who gets my monthly column also knows that I do an editorial about the column and some other things, and actually just for the month of May 2013, I'm doing an astrology special. So uh, anybody who uh, is receiving the newsletter, you can also just request it if you're not already on it, can take advantage of the astrology chart interpretation reading. It's a really good good size discount on my normal prices for uh, an astrology chart. You don't have to be in Phoenix to have it done to you. You can do it by phone, guys. Um, so check that out. Um, you can, you're going to have to email me to get on the, the mailing list to find it, or you can even see the link on Facebook. But... Uh, I'm doing a big discount. I'm not sure what it is exactly at the moment, but it's there. So, anyway, good. You know, Oregon, you could certainly research and learn on your own, hire another astrologer, but it's definitely one way of of accessing these talents, abilities, and things that we do. Now, there are other ways. I mean, there's lots of other uh, things that you can do. You know, numerology and oracles can work excellent in helping you kind of uncover. Um, talents and abilities. Uh, one of my favorite oracles that I work with and with clients for myself and, and clients, of course, is uh, Druid Animal Totems. When you begin to use power animals and totems, this really can tap you into abilities and talents as well. And also potentially bring in new ones. Um, the other thing is, and this is just for everybody listening, a real simple basic formula that can work. And, you know, I, it was interesting last year because I, I have a what I call a regular client program. I've got people that generally come in quarterly. Some come every other month or a few come monthly, but for the most part, people tend to come quarterly every three months. And they have a session. Um, of course, they get a discount on session prices, and they get the benefits of coming regularly. But most of my regs um, in 2012, I kind of made them do some of this work. I had mentioned that in the piece as well, that helping people to kind of tap into natural abilities and things that you did well when you were younger. Um, you know, su maybe surprisingly or not surprisingly, a lot of people struggled with it. You know, I found there were a lot of people that had trouble really remembering what they did when they were kids or even remembering details of their childhood. Now, I think that's because a lot of people had some crappy stuff in their childhoods and just kind of naturally shut a lot of it off. Um, you know, as we get older, we tend to kind of forget, you know, a lot of the detail of our life. Um, you know, for me, I'm a scholar. Um, scholars are, are uh, about 13% you know, of the population of scholars. That's a whole other subject area I could get into. Maybe on another show. But um, scholars tend to have kind of much more photographic type of memories and will typically remember things in a lot more detail. So, um, you know, that's one of the benefits. I probably had, a, you know, a, I have a really abnormally good memory. So I remembered a lot of the stuff that I did. Um, and uh, But I have a lot of clients that, that struggled with it. So it took us a little bit of work to kind of begin to kind of break some of that open 
and get them to see. You know, because the thing is, a lot of times, what we are talented at, good at, and have skills at, like I had mentioned in the piece that I just read, was, you know, we have these talents, we have these abilities, but they're kind of poo-pooed by others, or we're told that they're useless, or they're negative, or they're bad. So, you know, I mean, I could, you know, I, you know, it's it's really really funny because this is going to sound like a little bit of a crude way of putting this. Um, I had a client many many years ago that I worked with that was very sexual even at a young age. Um, you know, which is of course she got in trouble for. It. Not that she wasn't she wasn't going out necessarily having sex. She was just sexual with things like masturbating. She was just very, very aware of her body at some levels. And, you know, of course she got went through a lot of guilt around this and a lot of, you know, weird stuff. But strangely enough, later on in life, um she actually became a, a sexual uh counselor helping people with, with that area. I'm trying to think what, what you actually call it. But later on, she realized that she had a, a penchant for this. Now, again, not everyone that's going to be sexual at a young age. I, I think most children, of course, are not sexual at a young age anyway. I think that that's really a rarity. But obviously, again, if you looked at her astrology chart, you'd see that she might have had a lot of energy in the eighth house, which is a house of sex and power, and, and other areas, maybe the fifth house of play and romance and risk-taking. So, it's funny, again, because a lot of the things that we did naturally and well are kind of sort of smacked out of us or told are necessarily bad. You know, uh, this is a really, really common thing. Now, of course, you know, if you're, if you're say you, you like to play with blocks as a child, um, you're probably not going to want to be necessarily playing with blocks when you're 40. <laughs> Although if you want to... I really think it's not going to harm anybody in any way, and it might actually be therapeutically enjoying for you, enjoyable at some levels. But yet the funny part is what I'm trying to get everyone to understand is you want to tap into energy behind it. You know, if you like to play with blocks and you like to build, well, maybe your inclinations are toward architecture or structural design or engineering. So, you know, it's not as crazy as it sounds. What we, we, we play at when we're younger are, are really, again, are often attributes that come naturally and easily to us. See, the thing is, guys, for most of us, what's going to happen is dependent on cultural influences, where you're born, religious influences, familial ideas of what's right and wrong. You're going to get often pushed away from the natural inclinations that you have. Sometimes some people are lucky. They're born into families where it's encouraged. But, you know, a lot of times your, your, your family will, will push at you to do something that may not necessarily be in alignment with who you are. Uh, you know, I have a very good friend that was born into a family where they were very much about money and finances as their primary skill. He even went to college somewhat for it. And um, he kind of got a lot of flack because that really wasn't the thing he pursued after college. Um, he, he waited tables. He, he bartended. He became a massage therapist. And eventually he got his nutritional license and became a personal trainer and, and has a very, very successful gym. I guarantee if you went back to his childhood, you'd see that his disposition was toward nutrition and eating well and exercise and various other things, which he probably enjoyed a lot. I know he was in wrestling and did other things. But again, it was pushed out of him uh, because it wasn't the right thing to do in his family. That wasn't the way that you make money. That was considered, you know, quote-unquote negative. 
So, of course, I experienced the same thing. Uh, it, you know, when I when I read this piece, uh, that's why I think I had a bond with my friend over this too, because I, I really did. I was really good at playing. I just always was, and I got a lot of flack for it from people. I got a lot of um, veiled antagonism, and then even sometimes direct antagonism about it. But what was always kind of funny is I always had a lot of friends. People wanted to hang out with me. You know, I. It's interesting to me now because I'm in my late 40s, and like I love to spend alone time, but I've n- I have no trouble. I've got plenty of friends. I can have relationships when I, if I want them with people. Um, even when I go, like sometimes I go to Vegas by myself, and I make like 37 new friends every freaking Vegas trip. It's just so easy. You just talk to people. You be friendly. In fact, sometimes I try not to do that too much because it ends up. Uh, <laughs> that I get, <laughs> I, I just want to be left alone for a while. So, you know, it's funny because I run across people that have the opposite experience where they're just so afraid of being alone, they're so uncomfortable, they have such a tough time making friends or connecting with people that it's a real, you know, trauma for them. But again, for me, it came kind of easily. So uh, it, it was interesting to tap back into that. And again, I realize a lot of the things that I do um, – I did as a child. I'm already kind of doing. I don't I think a lot of that wasn't as blocked uh, as it may be for other people. But I definitely am kind of opening up more to the idea of playing uh, for myself. And really, it is a very powerful thing. You know, everything in nature to some extent plays. Um, you know, puppies and kittens and, and farm animals and baby animals and adult animals and children. I mean, we, we everybody plays. It really is an interesting part of life. I mean, you watch kittens, you even watch full-grown cats at times, they will play, you know, just as farm animals do. Um, it's inherently, a, uh, you know, an aspect of, 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 our, of our, our, our aliveness in some respects. But yet it is funny how much negativity there is surrounding that subject for, for many people because, again, they associate it with laziness and indulgence and avoidance and other things, which... In and of itself, it really doesn't necessarily have that that purpose behind it. And one of the things that I like doing, an area of play that I enjoy a lot, is I go to Vegas about twice, um, uh, about every two months, and then I do local casinos once or twice a month for a few hours. Um, you know, what's funny about my Vegas trips is I'll go for like three nights. Uh, the last trip I did four nights, which was a little much. And uh, as much as I enjoy gambling and playing and like, I actually, after a couple of days of it, I want to come home and I want to work again. Like, I love to play, but I actually also enjoy working. So it's not like I want to do that all the time. People have said, oh, you love Vegas, you should move there. No, no, <laughs> I don't want to live in Las Vegas. Nothing against Las Vegas, but I don't need to be around it all the time. Even the local casino that I go to is actually about a 40-minute drive. I get more comps and freebies from it, so it's better, more beneficial for me to go to it. But there are casinos that are, you know, 10 minutes from my house. I never go to them. I don't get enough comps, enough freebies, enough things to make it worth my while. And I don't like that they're that close. I don't want to get, I don't want to have that trap that I could potentially be pulled into that. So again, you know, I've, I've overindulged in, in this area a few times in my life. But for the most part, it is something that is a really amazing attribute to have. And I think the key is to remember this for everyone that's listening. You know, play might not necessarily be your talent and your thing. Um, but listen, every one of you guys, you, you do have talents, abilities, and and things that um, will come really, really natural to you. So I was mentioning before a couple of ways to tap into this. 
And, you know, there are certainly um, meditation and and uh, regression work could do the trick, you know, past life regression, of course, but even just present life regression. Um, you know, hypnosis, you can by help self, uh, self-hypnosis CDs and things. You can just meditate and and see if you can remember attributes of your past, things that came natural to you. Um, you also can, another way of doing this and, and tapping into this is to, like I said before, is look at an astrology chart, having a professional astrologer and interpret your chart for you that will often break open that those elements and those abilities again because you'll see how they came kind of natural to you you know another thing that you could do is you know ask for the information in the dream state before you go to bed at night write you know something down on a piece of paper saying i will have dreams where i'll remember my natural talents passions and abilities um i'll remember more of my childhood i'll remember important information that could be beneficial uh, for me now Write that down or say it aloud and then go to sleep. And then don't be impatient. You may not you may not remember any dreams the first night. You may not even remember them the second night. But I guarantee in a week or so, if you do this consistently, trust me, guys, you'll start to remember. You'll remember dreams. You'll remember pieces of things. Sometimes the information will come to you like just out of the blue when you're driving. You know, like you're, you know, you're working out at the gym. You're at work. Uh, you'll, information will come. You'll suddenly remember something, a vivid memory of, oh, my God, I had this disposition. I used to love to swim when I was younger. I, you know, I, I used to like to talk to people. I used to be good with numbers. So, you know, uh, here's the good news. For, for many of you, you're, you're already there. You, you're probably using a lot of the talents and abilities and skills that you, that you had naturally. But there's always more that I think we can uncover. Because we need to remember that, again, through familial imprinting, cultural imprinting, school, all of those other things, you know, the, the people around us, and you don't want to get mad at your parents or your crappy school that you went to or anything if they kind of pushed you away from those natural talents and abilities that you had. Um, no one's necessarily trying to, to crucify you. You know, even if they did, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not necessarily, that was not necessarily the intention or the task. Again, like even in my family, I use this as an example in the piece that I read. Uh, you know, in my family, you know, they, everything was about security. Um, everything is about creating security for yourself, financial solvency. Um, that's the obsession in my family. And, you know, both of my parents were born in and around the Depression. So kind of understandable for for them. And, and my you know, my mother and father did well for themselves. My father worked hard, and he saved, and he invested. And, you know, when he passed, he lived a good life and uh, was able to retire comfortably for a good 20 years. And then he passed, and, you know, my mom, we left my mom very comfortable financially. So he did good. He saved. He, But what he didn't do is he did it occasionally, but he didn't do it very much. Um, my father didn't really get to play. And he was a playful man, um, not totally unlike my father in that way, uh, but it was something he didn't have time for because the consuming need to work to acquire security and stability for his wife, for him, and all of us was such an important attribute for him. And also what he had learned uh, was correct and right behavior. So that's what he did. But it's interesting to see this uh, in my family because for me, I started doing the same thing as a kid. I, I'd get, I got a paper out when I was 12, 13. I didn't just have one paper out, though. I figured out that if I got two more paper outs, 
I could pay the kids who were too young to get paper routes to help me. Uh, I could pay them a percentage of what I made. And then uh, I'd make more money that way. So I was quite the little shark at a young age, and I was putting money in savings account and, and all those things at a very, really, really young age. I had, you know, I had a couple of thousand dollars by the time I was even, you know, 16 or 17 um, because I was always saving and scrimping and, and conservative in my approach to things. But what's funny about that, of course, is it was somewhat natural to me. I'm Taurus rising, a little bit of it. But I have a lot more in my astrology chart about risk-taking play and not being obsessed with security as than I do necessarily about, you know, saving for the endless, endlessly saving for the future. So I think the thing that is so key uh, for, for everyone, you know, if, to remember is, again, we have these dispositions at some level that, you know, uh, we do, but there, they, a lot of times it's really a, a attributes of things that our family pushed at us and taught us was the right way to be. And that's what really happened with me. I saved and I scrimped and I scrimped, and uh, it felt good. I made my dad proud and my mom proud. And, you know, then later on in life, most of that savings disappeared from one dumb way after, or another. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, it's funny because I, I don't have as much of a connection with my family um, with some of my family, as as I did years ago, because I realize I am very, very different. Um, again, they're really consumed with the idea of of saving, you know, for the future. And again, there's a, there's good in that, but it can be to me like my mom is a great example of it. She's 80 years old and relatively healthy, but she's sitting on a lot of money because she's afraid that she could get sick and that it would drain away. So she wants to make sure she has the money for that. Well. Guys, listen, if you're even somewhat metaphysical, you know what the result of that fear is. What, you, you know, what you're fearful of, what you're cautious about, what you're scared of, inevitably is something you're probably going to create for yourself. That's probably what my mom will do. But, the, but the, I hope she doesn't. But the odd part of it is she has enough insurance coverage and various other coverage that even if she were to get sick, none of that would really be relevant. She wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't lose her home. She wouldn't lose any... A lot of people have to actually worry about such things. My mother does not, but she does. So I don't get mad at her for it. I love her. Um, but I, if I if I were her, I would just say, you know, you know, just go, you know, take the family on a vacation. Go do stuff yourself. Go on vacations. You know, have a housekeeper come in, get a massage. You know, just live life comfortably, woman. You. You freaking deserve it. You worked hard for a long time. Stop sitting on a ton of money. You know, it, it's you know, it's all saving it for our inheritance. I mean, uh, I, I could care less. It's the least of my concerns. So, but again, remember. So, if you got some anger and some upset about feeling like your family might have messed up your 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 disposition or your mojo um, in your natural talents abilities, again, remember, they probably were not doing it necessarily to be abusive. They might have. But more often than not, it was what they felt was the right thing to do. So we talked a bit today about um, about uh, about this area, and I got about another eight minutes, so I could possibly take one call. So I'm going to put that call in number if I want to get a quick phone call in today. Was I'll finish off this subject. Uh, guest call in number here for Snake Oil Radio is six four six two hundred three nine six six. You might need to dial a one before that. Uh, maybe I'll get one caller in today. If anybody has a quick question they want to ask. Also, um, if you're catching the show now or later in archive, 
Uh, definitely catch next week's show. I'll be talking to astrologer Shelley Overton. And uh, it's an hour show, so I'm going to interview her for about 25 minutes. And then for about a half hour, 35 minutes, we're going to take live calls. She's going to do a little mini astrology readings, and I'll probably chime in with some info as well um, during the, uh, <laughs> during the uh, mini readings by phone. So that'll be a good time if you're looking to call in for something uh, to check out. And then uh, any other time, whenever you see me do astrology update shows, that's another good show to call in. I usually take calls earlier during those shows for many readings. Um, this show that I'm doing, my first of the month show is almost always a column read, and I, I usually don't get to, to the phones uh, because I, I like to talk about the subject in, in a lot more detail and a lot more depth. Um, I know uh, my, my archive listeners tend to kind of appreciate that. Anyway, so we got a few more minutes if someone calls the call. So what we've been talking today about is playfulness and, and tapping into your own natural talents and abilities that are, are unique to you. Uh, we mentioned a few ways you can do this through astrology. Um, you can do it through meditation, um, through regression, um, through dream uh, remembrance, um, guided imagery, you know, the one key component that I always kind of tell everybody when I work with clients uh, specifically on this subject is, listen, guys, try to just remember what you did naturally well and what brought you joy when you were younger. Because often, I mean, one of the things that that's really kind of a key thing to understand is there are seven, basically there are seven human fears. Most of us will have two of them. Um, in life. Uh, there's impatience, which is a fear of being victimized by time. There's martyrdom, which is a fear of victimization, period. There's self-deprecation, uh, which is a fear of inadequacy. Uh, arrogance, which is a fear of vulnerability. Um, greed, which is a fear of lack. Uh, self-destruction, which is a fear of lack of control. And stubbornness, which is a fear of change. Now, here's the thing. You're not born with those fears. They're acquired later on. So really, the way you were as a little child was really quite, um, really, really quite a blueprint for who you actually are. You know, often during our childhood and especially the teen years, we begin to acquire fear, which then tends to kind of mess up our, you know, our natural rhythms and inclinations and uh, and, and different ways. So that's what's really kind of cool about remembering, you know, the details or certain aspects of your childhood because it's when you were more pure and weren't necessarily as affected by fear as we are now as adults. You know, because of my weird sort of photographic mind, I actually, you know, I'm not sure if this is a memory that I was told or one that I have, although I'm inclined to think it's one that I actually had. But I was a year and a half when my little sister was born. I'm the youngest boy in a family of seven kids, and then I have a little sister. It's about a year and a half, a little less than that, but about a year and a half um, old. And I remember um, being taken, I think I was carried in a wagon, but I remember being taken um, over to the, uh, I was sitting in like one of those red wagons of sorts. Um, and when I was born, those things were around. Um, and I was taken over to the hospital and my mom opened up the hospital window, and she held my little baby sister out the window. And I remember seeing this. And, you know, 
again, it, later on it was told to me, but it was something that I actually remembered. So again, I'm not just sure if it's an actual memory, but um, I'm pretty sure that it was. Um, also, uh, so I just got a weird memory of things. I remember a lot of detail about childhood. But here's the good news. Even if you don't, you all that all that information is inside it's in your brain somewhere guys you got it you can you can access it you can you can you can get it out you know what i mean <laughs> you could tap into it even if you don't necessarily remember it and there really is a value but i do i remember a lot of different blip kind of events from my childhood and then um you know by the time i was 10 11 12 13 14 things like that i have a lot a lot of memories around that. Very little has escaped me that way in that sense. I really can remember a tremendous amount of detail. So yeah, I had a I just had these natural dispositions all of the time. I was doing radio when I was a kid, you know, I was making little I was writing books, I was writing comic books, I was doing performing, I was a great essay writer, I was a mathematician. I could throw sticks on the ground and get information by looking at the patterns. I was fascinated by cards. Oh, and games? Kidding me? I would go nuts about playing games. That's why I think I love oracles as opposed to straight reading. Like, I like the cards and the runes and the, the tangible things to play with. They just appeal to me more. They always kind of did. So, uh, that's mine was a little easier to remember. But I did. I got more pieces of it this year. And one of the pieces, just as I wrote about, is I, I just want to play more. Um, I don't want to take the approach that life is supposed to be hard or supposed to be difficult. And, yeah, I want to save for my future and I want to build that way. But, no, I don't want to obsess about creating security. <sighs> you know, I just think it's one of those things that you're going to kill yourself for and then it could be taken away. Um, my my sister's husband, uh, about two years ago, my sister was married for about 19, 20 years and her husband, he just stockpiled money. He very rarely spent any money, even though it was a period where she was out of a job for a year um, during the economic nightmare of 2008 or so. And uh, he didn't even, like, hardly help her out financially, you know, because he was so uh, obsessive about saving money for the future. And shock of shocks, 56 years old, he has a heart attack and dies. My sister gets his pension and all of the money, and now she's 60 years old and has a great boyfriend and is living high off the hog, enjoying herself, still kept her job, but doing really, really well. And here's this man obsessing, obsessively saving and saving and saving, greed dragon, um, for the future because of the fact that he might not have, you know what I mean, that he's got to have security. Well, you never know, guys. You kind of got to walk a line with that. You want to be pragmatic and, and think about security, but, you know, don't remember to live your life. I'm not suggesting anybody play as much as I do, <laughs> but uh, you, can, uh, you can play a little more, and there's a benefit in it. Okay, looks like we're winding down here for the show. Uh, let me mention again, uh, I'll be interviewing Shelley Overton, astrologer, um, next week. Definitely catch the show. I think you guys will really like her. She's a sharp cookie. Um, and uh, a lot of similar astrology as me. She's a little bit more Virgo than I am. i got sad sun sign. Also, um, if you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, email me, VenturaSage at yahoo.com. It has to be added to the monthly newsletter mailing list. One of the things you can take advantage of Snake Oil Radio listeners and column subscribers is I am doing a discounted session for astrology readings. For just this month, guys, you got to get hold of me this month. Uh, you don't have to live here in Phoenix and come to my office. If you do, feel free to. Uh, I can book a session for it. But uh, you can do it by phone. 
Um, I'll send you the chart. We'll go over the chart by the phone. I'll record it on an audio cassette for you. It's heavily discounted. I think it's about 25 bucks off my normal prices. So just for this month. So if you, you get the monthly newsletter or you Facebook friend request me or you, uh, or you contact me through, uh, through this as well, uh, we can set you up for that within the next week or so and get you a session so you can tap into who you really are. You do need to know your birth time to really get a good astrology chart done. You can do without it. Definitely better if you can get an accurate birth time. And I'll have some suggestions for anyone who doesn't have it and ways that they actually access it if they don't necessarily have that information. Most people can, can get it. It's, it's usually the second copy of your birth certificate or you call the hospital or, you know, most of someone will remember. Anyway, okay. So uh, that's Thank you much, everybody, for, for tuning in. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope everyone remembers to play a little more and have uh, have fun in life. Uh, life is short. Take full advantage of it and, and enjoy while you can. And uh, wishing everyone the ability to really tap in and, and, and get hold of your own unique characteristics and abilities. Okay, I'll be here next week. Everybody have a great evening, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.